Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to make the time and tune in and to be a part of what we are doing as part of God's Church at Living Hope Wesleyan Church. Uh, my name is Jeff Fuller. I'm the pastor. You can certainly find information at hopeforvermont.org, the Living Hope Wesleyan Church uh, YouTube channel, or on Apple, iTunes, or Google Podcasts as uh, Living Hope Wesleyan. So we um, thank you for tuning in and one with a great story. Uh, going to be joining us is Dave Beaver. And Dave, uh, welcome in. Thank you so much. Hi, it's good to be here. Thank you so much, Jeff. And so you, um, we met several years ago on my radio show as you are a pastor, but you had just participated in one of your first MMA, mixed martial arts, <laughs> fights. Uh, talk to me about what got you involved with mixed martial arts. Yeah, man. So, um, I really started training uh, just out of out of a pure desire to get in better shape, um, and um, you know, I needed something a little bit more. Um, uh, the way I, I'm a pretty hardwired kind of individual, and so something just going and walking on the treadmill or lifting uh, random weights just uh, was kind of boring to me. Um, I was passionate about uh, martial arts, and uh, obviously watched a lot of you know MMA uh, on TV, all the pay-per-views. And I remember one day saying, "Man, if I had the um, if I ever had the opportunity to do that when I was younger, I think I could have done that. And, um, you know, lo and behold, fast forward several months, uh, met some individuals and um, that was a promoter and, and worked in that local scene of professional and uh, amateur uh, mixed martial arts. Um, and so an opportunity was presented to me. Um, and so it was later in life, but I took it. And, um, you know, but at the same time, it wasn't just about fighting the fight. Um, I really believed it was important to anything I do to use the platform that God may provide my feet uh, for a greater purpose. And uh, so that particular, that first fight, that particular fight um, raised a significant amount of money uh, for a guy that was uh, known as the machine gun preacher uh, at an organization uh, called Angels of East Africa. And um, there's a, there's a great movie out there. It's raw. Um, but it's uh, it's kind of the story of the the machine gun preacher. Yeah, sure, there's a little Hollywooded up because that's just what Hollywood does. But the the essence of the story was there, and so we got to fight. Uh, I always had this mentality that whenever I do fight, I'm going to fight for those that cannot fight for themselves. And so I've always connected it. You know, I don't make no money. I don't. I raise a ton of money. That money goes to um, to others, right? Whether they're battling cancer or they're battling human trafficking or Whatever. So. And again, uh, the Dave Beaver on Instagram and Twitter uh, makes some time. And uh, I just want to ask you a comment you made about how Jesus saved your soul, but jujitsu saved your life. Dive into that a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, man, here's the thing. I, I, uh, I've been a pastor for 25 years. All right. And, and again, I, I, I have decided a while back that I'm not going to wait till I'm the old guy, the old, old man pastor to be uh, real about ministry. I, I, I think pastors, dude, and, and this might not be your case, and I know a lot of younger pastors that maybe, you know, they're in it, they're in for five or seven years now and they've experienced some challenge that comes to the church. Um, but I'll be honest with you, man, pastoring is tough. It's, it can be a very lonely place. Um, I particularly, um, you know, have, have dealt with a lot of, a lot of hard things. Uh, Jeff, you know, Pastor Jeff, I can tell you, a few years ago, I did 60, 60 funerals in one calendar year. I did more funerals in that one calendar year than I had done the previous 
seven years of ministry uh, combined, you know. And, you know, when you're dealing with a lot of addiction or domestic violence or abuse, um, I, I buried children. I buried children that um, uh, had... Um, sorry. Uh, passed through cancer. Um, um, young, young ladies, you know, who overdosed. And I watched their three-year-old um, stand at the side of the casket, reach up, stand. I'm, st- I'm there at the pulpit getting ready to do this show for a room full of people while a little girl asks her mommy to wake up, you know. And, um, dude, I, I was just, uh, ministry's hard, you know. And, and that's, that's all that stuff. But then you have the reality of understanding that, you know, when you lead and you lead well, you're going to, some are going to love you and some are going to hate you. And some that love you today are going to hate you tomorrow. And what I've found is that sheep bite, you know, uh, ministry is hard, man. And people can be really brutal and really um, judgmental and hard on you, hard on your family. And the only thing you're trying to do is, is love them and to lead them well and to, to do what's best for them, right? And in that process, uh, dude, it, the, the lines get real blurry because you are a pastor, um, but first and foremost, you're a child of God, right? And so what I say is yeah. I came to the place where, dude, honestly, going to church, like a normal person goes to church, it's it's life-giving, it's empowering, it's, it's, it's encouragement. You know, as a pastor of 25 years, dude, um, the sanctuary wasn't really the sanctuary for me. It was a it was a point of struggle. It was a place of of hurt. It was a place of hard work and carrying a lot of burdens, not only my own but that of hundreds and hundreds of people. And um, what I've come to find is that uh, jujitsu, the jujitsu gym, became my sanctuary. It became the thing for me that the world stops. You know, literally, I, I can be having the best day or worst day. I walk through the door to the gym and I get warmed up and I start doing jujitsu. Dude, I don't think about nothing else. Literally, I'm I'm in the moment. I'm literally it's the only place in my life that I just live in the moment. Um, and uh, so when I say Jesus saved my soul, I'll, there's nothing in this life, no person, no place, no thing that can replace uh, the redemption uh, that Christ has given me, um, save my life uh, or, or save my soul. Um, when I say jujitsu saved my um, life. I mean my day-to-day operating mental, physical, holistic health. Um, it wasn't through more Bible study. It wasn't through more worship. It wasn't through more education. It was literally holistically engaging in something that uh, gives me life. Um, and so that, that's what I mean by that. Just love well, it, I man. Think, yeah, that's so good. And uh, I think that's what Jesus was talking about of the importance of Sabbath and Sabbath rest and to uh, experience that freedom of just knowing that God loves you. And for me, I love physical activity and that helps so well. Uh, You mentioned something, too, about um, your church. And I just want to pull up the website now. Uh, Thehealthgc.org. And you can see it on the screen. But I know for us, uh, we are a pretty diverse church for being a small country church here in Vermont. But an issue with being so diverse is now following the election or pre-inauguration, we are so diverse. And there's so many different voices trying to vibe for somebody's attention. How have you kept the voice on mission 
about saying we're about Jesus. Do your civic duty, go vote, but we are about Jesus. How have you led in that way? Yeah, that's a great question, man. I tell everybody, listen, dude, I live in what's called the redemptive middle. Whether that's a real term, uh, I don't know, but it's a real place. And I re- let me just say it, you know, Jeff, this is one thing that me and I, I'm hard on the church, man. I'm hard on American Christianity. Um, I'm going to make some statements right now that it's going to probably get me a, a lot more fans and a lot more haters. But here's the deal. The, the, the asinine or the narcissism sometimes of the American church is appalling to me. Um, you know, when <laughs> I don't think God looks down and sees the struggle in America, I think God looks down and sees the globe, right? Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes Americans and the American church in particular uh, get so caught up in, in what's happening just here in our culture but, and, and think that I, I hate when we apply scripture just to our American context or culture when the reality is the gospel is encompassing of the entire world. It's not a Republican, Democratic gospel. Um, and, and whenever I see believers try to divide the church or divide the fellowship or divide the unity of faith based on um, political views, I, I, I'm saddened by that because I believe that that moment in time, we are missing the, the mark. We are missing the gospel, the, the, the essence of the missio dei, the mission of God. Um, I, I don't... I don't make no bones about it. I tell people where we should be in the kingdom and with the gospel is we should live in what I call the redemptive middle. To understand that I I know people and you know people that are on both sides of the aisle, but both sides of the aisle, regardless of how you vote, at the end of the day, the, the gospel trumps, the gospel of Jesus Christ trumps all cultural relevancy, um, or desire, and when we take time to truly know Jesus, we understand that I can coexist in this world, and I can walk the redemptive middle, and I can have my beliefs, and I can have my views, um, I can have my vote, whatever, but if I understand the gospel, I must show dignity and respect and character to to people that think differently than me, you know? Um I say that, but people would say, well, Dave, you're hard on the church. You're harsh. You you attack the church. I'm like, no, I, I call the church uh, out. I, I call the church on its on its junk. I wanted to own it. I want the church to own it because because they're, what is happening is they're ruining the witness of the church when in the name of Jesus or in the name of Christianity, um, Western uh, Christianity, American Christianity, they're ruining the witness of the gospel when we act in these manners and and it's okay to be passionate about your beliefs like you should be it's cool but then there's then there's appropriateness and and i'll be honest man i've been saddened greatly um by by the narrow-mindedness um i think of of sometimes american christianity um you know there's there's 40.3 million people living in modern slavery today and human trafficking. It's the number one organized crime in the world. Yet, I don't see the American church um, hair on fire over that. But right. it's it, it should be, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, so uh, Dave, Dave Beaver, uh, pastor, joining us. Uh, where did you grow up? How did you grow up? Meaning, uh, broken family, strong Christians, 
Uh, where and how did you grow up? Yeah, man. So I, I'm from Akron, Ohio. Uh, originally, we called the AK Rowdy. <laughs> so it's just northeast Ohio. Uh, man, I uh, just about 40 minutes, uh, 40, 45 minutes south of uh, of Cleveland, straight down 77 south. Um, parents are still married today. Uh, one brother, one sister. I'm the oldest. Um, I would say I grew up in a uh, a normal uh, struggling uh, family in terms of mom. You know, my dad worked first shift all day. Mom worked from two to ten, you know, or three to eleven. Uh, so always at my, we were always at my grandma's or my aunt's, even if we were the parent. Like every day, my life was the same thing. Um, my parents' faith, uh, like they had faith. I don't think it was always practiced earlier on in my life growing up. Um, but I, I do uh, look back at my junior high and uh, high school years where church was part of that. Um, but uh, yeah, not not a. I wouldn't say a always faithfully walking out the good news, but the scripture, the gospel, prayer. I mean, I can tell you, my mom still to this day. I'm 42 years old, man, and my mom will text. Uh, I bless you with protection before we left the house, right? Um, they grew up in the assemblies of God, so they were a little bit more uh, crazomatic, which I don't mind. Trust me, dude. I'm I'm a pretty charismatic person as well, but. You know, it was, uh, I remember going to revivals and seeing some stuff and um, some stuff that I know was legitimately movements of the Holy Spirit. Like, there's no denying it. Um, it, it was powerful. But, um, you know, my mom was, the, she's that kind of lady, like, oh, you got the flu, here comes the anointing oil and, and prayer and, you know, and uh, so uh, I look at a man as a dad now of three kids. I look back and say, man, my, my parents were just doing the best they knew how to do, like anybody who's a parent. Um, and it's uh, it's cool. You know, I I think people, if you would, if we could go back and change where we come from, we would change who we are today. And um, I, I wouldn't change anything. You know, I might change some of the decisions I made, but yeah. um, that's because they were harmful and hurtful to myself or others. But um yeah, man. So no, that's a great point. And uh, yeah, my mom still and I have to admit, I do, too. If I uh, can't find my car keys, I'm praying whether God cares Absolutely. about that prayer or not. I, I'm definitely yeah. praying about it. Hey, Absolutely, so, man. So being a part of the Wesleyan denomination, which I am, there's always this talk about yeah. the call of God for vocational ministry. Can you yeah. talk me through when you heard the call of God regarding vocational ministry? And how quickly did you accept that call and receive what God had in plan for you? Yeah, man. So, um, yeah, it's real simple, dude. I, I can tell you uh, the day I accepted the call to ministry, my life changed. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, uh, this is why I'm such a, so passionate about mentoring, coaching, uh, and discipleship. Um, so long story short, I was a teenager. I was at a camp, a retreat, a fall retreat. Uh, at a place called uh, Sherman Acres, and this is this is how I, this is how I still to this day at 42 I go back to this moment in time that that um, and how God called me to ministry. Um, so we as a, at the church that I was going to, we had this big blue school bus, right? And it was a custom with my youth group was a very large youth group, and so all of the luggage in the back, right? And um, this is when the world wasn't a bunch of sissies and. We would climb up on top of the luggage, and so it was like you're laying on everyone's bags and suitcases, and you would 
ride this three hours to these camps and stuff, you know. Uh, forget seat belts. Like, we'd stuff that bus and go to camp, man. And um, so, long story short, I went to this um, to this uh, fall retreat. And and as I was at this fall retreat, I'll never forget, I went outside. It was this kind of time alone with God. It was this kind of breaking it down. I had been praying, though. I literally had been praying for almost two or two and a half years, I'd say, um, as a teenager about what what God wanted. I, very quickly, I realized there was more to life. And I was asking, what's the more to life? There had to be more to life than getting up, going to school, going to football practice, coming home, going to grandma's, drinking Kool-Aid or tea, the same two pictures, you know, um, then going home and doing this routine over and over. And I was like, this is just, there's got to be more life, right? And so uh, it sounds silly, but I remember praying, and I remember my heart and my mind, uh, I had a word, like a word, like still to this day, um, not to be ooh or over spiritual. I had this word. Well, here's how I confirm or I affirm my call ministry, because the word that was inside my mind, I didn't even know if it was a real word. I didn't know if it was like bad spicy tacos that we had for lunch, and my brain was going crazy. And it took me three days uh, to get enough courage to approach my youth pastor at the time, and uh, his name was Mark. And so we're on that bus. It's late at night. And we're driving home. And I'm all the way in the back. And I'm laying up on that luggage, you know. And uh, I can't get my mind off this. I, I've been thinking about this. And uh, so I I got off the luggage. And I came down the aisle of the bus. And then, you know, I did the, the responsible thing. And I stood right at the door well, well, with the bus open and held on both sides. And, you know, Mark, Pastor Mark's driving the big bus and talking. And I said, hey, man, i got to ask you a question. I said, um. I feel like I know what God wants me to do, right? And he was like, you know, super cool guy. He was like, yeah, what's up, man? That's awesome. And I said, here's the deal. I don't know if it's a real thing or I don't know if it's – I don't even know if it's real. And he's like, okay, what's up, man? You know, and, and I said, so I have this word that's just in my head. It's in, I, and I feel it in my being. And he's like, okay, what is it? What is it? And I said, I said, man, I just feel like I saw some being evangelist, right? I, and that's it. I just worked this word out evangelist. Well, dude starts he starts laughing. Right? And I'm like, oh, just open the door now. Let me jump out. Like, because at first I was like, oh man, maybe I just told this guy I think I'm supposed to be a ventriloquist. I don't know. I don't even know what I said. And he's like, he's like, dude, let me tell you, man. He's like, I know you and and your personality and your yeah yeah. And man, there's no doubt I could see exactly why God would call you to evangelize. Well, dude, you know that was the beginning of it. You know, and that was 15 years old. Um, fast forward to 16 years old. Now at 16 years old, man, I'm I'm down at the Haven of Rest, an inner city homeless mission ministry, um, on a Sunday night, um, preaching a sermon to to a room full of like homeless, addicted adults. At 16, took a drama team. We're doing drama, Living Word, whatever, and. And here's what I'll tell you, because that sounds like a really great story, but here's, here's the deal, man. As soon as I said yes to the Lord, um, I'll never, I could go back to the day my life got, uh, like, hell came for me. And I said, yeah. hell came for me. All of a sudden, I was, my eyes opened to the difficulty of everything. Like, home life got hard. School life got hard. Uh, relationships got weird. And all of a sudden, I become, like, I was living this in this bubble. And I said yes to the Lord, and I feel like my eyes were opened, 
I'm going to be on mission. I'm going to evangelize the world. And, and dude, I'm going to tell you, I didn't know what was fully going on at the time, but spiritual warfare um, took off in my life, and, 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 and it came after, you know. And um, I didn't have the strongest mentorship. I didn't have the strongest leadership. I didn't have the strongest pastors in my life. And um, and those those next couple years were hard. They were hard, man, because I was on the front line of spiritual warfare. So. so talk to me a little bit about the importance of understanding but putting on the full armor of God as well as understanding and uh, living in the fruit of the Spirit. The armor of God and the fruit of the Spirit, how important did those become in your life? Yeah, significant. And, um, and it wasn't until after... You know, I'd say that 16 to 18 years were rough, and then 18 got some legal trouble because, man, it was just life was happening so fast around me. Um, and I can tell you, man, that that if, putting on the full armor of God is a significant thing. Um, you know, in my in my life outside of the church, you know, the work as an officer, and I kind of likened to that. You know, um, I I put on a a bulletproof vest, I put on a duty belt, I put on duty. Uh, boots um i have equipment that is there to to protect me and others and um and someone who's played football and other sports like there's something important about having your equipment your equipment be right and uh i remember you know younger years of my life in my 20s and 30s i literally would pray uh the same prayers every morning and i would mentally like mentally spiritually as i was praying you know get invisibly dressed in the full armor of God to have this yeah. this ideology in my head that as I walk out the door, um, I am going to, to an unseen battle. So that our battle is not against flesh and blood. So today when I'm at Target or today when I'm at Chipotle, whatever, that person that's being what they're being, um, there's an unseen world going on, you know, and um, that became important. The fruit of the Spirit is sweet, man. Like I tell people, if you like fruits, then you know, man uh, – Bite into a, a, a strawberry or a, a peach uh, or a pineapple. It's sweet, man. Yeah. And and I've always looked at the fruit of the spirit as the sweetest. It's the, you know, it's the, it's important to, to understand the fruit of the spirit to walk in it. Um, our spiritual giftedness, you know, um, it, staying in step with the spirit is is the sweetest place to be. But I'll tell you, it's also the hardest place to be. And if you're walking in step with the spirit. And living in the and dwelling in the fruits of the spirit, you're going to be in some conflict. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you're in conflict with people or places that you would least expect it. Um, yeah. So no, that's so good. That's so good. And thank you, uh, Dave, for sharing that um, at the Dave Beaver on Instagram and Twitter. You can certainly find him on uh, Facebook as well, whether you're watching on the YouTube channel, Living Hope Wesleyan Church, or listening on a podcast platform, Living Hope Wesleyan. So uh, maybe a little bit, um, I get distracted. I have ADD, so I apologize. But uh, you, mentioned Me being a, you mentioned being an officer. How many of yeah. your coworkers know that you are a uh, MMA fighter, that you know jujitsu? Does that ever come up, or do they kind of think you're, and I say this, carefully but that soft christian pastor or do they know have you made them aware of uh of your background yeah no so a lot so here's the deal man um i'm an officer a private a private uh um organization right it's a private department um we have you know you, know, you have private departments you have um 
city departments, whatever. Most of the guys I can tell most of the guys I train with are full time, you know, sheriffs or city police officers or whatever. Um, I train in the gym where there there's professional MMA fighters and there's amateur MMA fighters. Um, I'm just blessed to be walking the room at 42. Um, I, I you know I train with some guys who that are just they're they're the just the most gentle, nice, well respected. You would look at them and very unassuming. You think this young man probably works at the bank, and they're they're ferocious beasts. Um, I'm a little bit. I, I don't think that I, I'm. I'm so um, I'm so into making sure that, that there's no blowing smoke um, yeah. for people. I am what I am. You what you see is what you get. You don't. I'm not going to give you one thing on the platform or something else behind the scenes. Um, r- right, wrong, and different. I have learned that. Um, for me to be my best, um, I need to be myself. And this world, especially in ministry, I, I spent a lot of years in ministry, the first decade of ministry, uh, with people trying to get me to be more like them yeah. because they didn't know how to deal with me being who I was. Um, but what I come to realize is that imitation equals limitation. If I spend my life imitating somebody else, um, I limit God and I limit the effectiveness that God has planned for my life. And so, dude, I just am what I am. I'm going to be loud. I'm going to be outspoken. I'm going to be boisterous. Um, I'm going to be a turn-the-table type of guy. Um, you're never going to have to guess where you stand with me. Now, I'm not going to tell you like a jerk. I'm going to be appropriate and professional, but I'm going to tell you. The people that probably become a jerk are the ones that <laughs> they're uh, – I, I say this all the time, you know, um, there's going to come a day, man, where the smoke and mirrors, smoke is going to dissipate, the mirrors are going to break, and everyone's going to see us for who we really are. Yeah. Um, so sometimes when I see, like, people are hustling and they're playing a the game, that I'm a little bit more like, man, turn the table with them. But sure. I don't think anybody is shocked or surprised um, that I am who I am um, or, or that I – let me give you a funny story. So I – I finally, at 42 years old, my I got kids. I got a kid going to college. I got a, another daughter who's in high school driving. My youngest is nine, and I was driving the the family minivan because we owned it. Like no car payment. I'm just driving it, right? Every day I'm driving this Nissan Quest. Um, it was great because you could haul stuff. But uh, long story short, I got this opportunity where I got this instead of driving the van every day, I got a 2012 Camaro. It's got loud pipes on it, and you know whatever. I put a cold air intake on it, and um, if you know me, it, it just the car just kind of fits who I am. And somebody said to me, because I got a lot of a lot of love, but a lot of hate on social media. Someone says, "Oh, I'm not surprised you bought that car. It matches your personality, loud and obnoxious." <laughs> you know, and I was like, "Okay, well, <laughs> but it's fast, I guess. Whatever." <laughs> so, but, yeah, hey, man. Hey. So. So my question now uh, kind of transitions just with COVID. We've had to be uh, agile and not that you changed your identity, but how have you and the house, a missional community had to adapt with going online, with being hybrid? How have you personally adjusted, but found a comfort level in how to present the gospel in this new way? Yeah, so, dude, great question. And honestly, I think that our church was, we were ready for it. And what I mean by that is, dude, I've been teaching online via social media to thousands of people for years now. I mean, this is, um, 
there, there, there have been times that we have three, four, five thousand people, and I'm talking over the last five years, tuning into our messages live. So, for us to be streaming, for me to be teaching to a camera is not difficult. Um, it, it's been part of our norm, and I, I can tell you, you know, Pastor Jeff, I can tell you, I remember when denominational leaders were critical or or almost like non-accepting of the um, the missional side or the ministry side of broadcasting. And I think it was because not a lot of people, some were doing it, but not a lot of people were doing it. We were doing it on a, on a very large, much larger scale. And I still remember having those conversations where they were based on almost uh, criticism or like devaluing it. Well, I felt like it's a, the world, this is five years ago and beyond, um, I've been shooting videos before Facebook Live was a real thing. I've been shooting videos, you know, for a long time. And um, I, I believe there was value in it. I think the world lives online. I think we shop online. I think we do a lot of things online. Um, so whenever we were all forced to not meet in a gathering place, um, I felt like we were equipped for that and we were we were really ready for that and prepared for it. Um, do I miss being with people? Sure. Um, we have recently taken over a residential property and renovated it and turned it into a church. And we have this mentality now. Instead of being in the room, you know, I've been on a staff, I've been on staff at churches that are over 5,000 people in attendance with, you know, 20 staff members. Our, our role now, we have a, a smaller environment where we're going to have kind of 50 to 60 people in the building. That's including children per service. Um, so we're, again, smaller groups. It, it just kind of works out to be kind of COVID-friendly because we're limiting that space. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're doing that more so for the relationship aspect. COVID is COVID's messed the world up, man. It, it's really changed how we engage, to be quite honest with you. I've grown super tired of Zoom. I've had more Zoom pastoral meetings or FaceTime, and I'm like, oh, I just want to, like, fist bump somebody and eat some fries, you know, and be in the room with them. And, um, and, and we're doing that. We've gotten back to that. But I also respect, again, the redemptive middle. I got people on both sides of the equation. Some people are, they don't leave their house, right? And they tune in online. That's fine. And I, I support them. And I have other people that are like, they don't care. They're going to eat a cheeseburger with you and wear their mask to the table and then eat and then wear their mask to their car. You know, it's yeah. fine. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's been an adapt uh, adjustment, but um, adapt or die, man. That's the reality of life. That's for sure. And uh, Dave, if you could, can you just share me a little bit about your spiritual disciplines, your spiritual formation on a daily basis? Like, are you a morning open the word guy or is it just consistently throughout the day? Or just talk about the spiritual disciplines, spiritual formation in your own life personally. Yeah, it's cool, man. I think anybody that's ever heard me preach or teach that I used to I used to travel a ton. I travel less now um, just because of the dynamics of life and family. Um, so here's the deal. Every day I get out of bed. Every day. It doesn't matter. Like, Jeff, I went to bed at 4.30 this morning because I was teaching defensive tactics to the wee hours of the morning. So um, waking up at 9 is like, all right, we're orient. Okay, get some coffee. Here we go. Um, it doesn't matter if I've been in bed for 10 minutes or 10 hours. Um, every day, every day, um, I get out of my bed. I start my day on my face. I think there's something about physically engaging in our mm -hmm. spiritual life. And I lay down on my face. Um, I'm not telling anyone this to be, ooh, 
was so spiritual. I lay down on my face as a as a as a, physic, a physical surrender. I lay down before the Lord and I pray the same prayer every morning. Lord, I do not want to do this without you, and I cannot do this without you. Hmm. I submit myself to you. I, every day I'm in the floor. Um, this is before I go to the bathroom. Anything I lay down on the floor. I say that short prayer. I want the Lord to see my my spiritual and my physical posture as being surrendered, submitted, um, and about and about his business. Um, I don't know what the day holds. It could be the best day of my life. It could be a challenging day. Um, but I know the sovereignty of God um, is is the sovereignty of God. I know that um, favor, the favor of God follows faithfulness. And that's the only thing I can do. I, I, I have to be disciplined to be faithful. And um, that's what I love about it. That's the, 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 the beauty of it. God's not going to handcuff me or force me. He's going to gently invite me. And if I practice discipline and spiritual uh, faithfulness, I'm going to walk as I have and as I do. I'm going to walk in the favor of the Lord. And, um, and any time that favor is removed, it's if I step out from underneath the flow of, of his favor uh, through unfaithfulness. And so um, the, the word is one of those things. I'm not, I really am not, man. I'm not one of those dudes that just sits down and, like, I read for depth, not distance. Yeah. Dude, I might read two verses and get stuck on it and just, just grind on it, man, for, for days. Um, I also have separated. My preparation to preach and teach time is not my time. My time, I'm dealing with me. I'm dealing with stuff inside of this carcass of a, of a dead man walking. Um, I'm working and reading for me, um, assessing weaknesses, assessing life challenges, family dynamics, whatever things I'm working through. Um, and, and so those would be disciplines, I think, that have taken me, you know, I've been in ministry for 25 years. I'm 42 years old. Um, and guess what? Uh, what? What I, and I'm not being, I'm not being critical, but where I was at 22 is vastly different than where I am at 42. Right. And I got this sneaky suspicion that where I'll be at 52 will be vastly different than where I am at 42. And I love that. That's the not dead, not done mentality. Um, but you do have to practice your discipline. Your spiritual disciplines are vital. Um, uh, so, yeah. yeah. That's so good. And, uh, Dave, we'll get you out soon. Thanks so much uh, for making yeah, no the problem. time. It's at the Dave Beaver, uh, pastor at the House, a missional community. And, uh, Pastor, when we think about these next days, uh, I've heard all too often, I can't wait to get back to normal. Uh, I probably stole it from somebody, but I think we're going to – define different differently not keep talking about the new normal how much do you long for a new different using that analogy or do you just try to take one day at a time to live jesus love jesus and share jesus whatever uh covid response is taking place outside of our doors or walls yeah it's a little bit of both and right it is a little both and because the norms like dude i want to i want to go do competitions I, you know i love traveling to do competition jujitsu and it's annoying to me i want to go to las vegas for a week and i want to walk around and people watch because it's the most bizarre place on the planet um i want to go compete and not have all those these goofy rules right but at the same time i understand it and i'm not i'm living in the moment right 
Um, I want to be able to go to the movies. I want to go to concerts. I want to do fun things. I want to go to Cedar Point. I want to walk in Giant Eagle and not have to walk back to my car because I forgot my mask. Um, I want to do all those things. So when I think about Norm, you know, at 42 years old, this is the first time I've had to live in a culture and adapt to a mask mandate. Now, listen, anybody wants to get mad at me, uh, send a message to Pastor Jeff, and he will not forward it. So, um, I'm, look, I'm not an anti-masker. I'm not a pro-masker. I'm a whatever it is it is. Yeah. If they ask me to wear, okay, cool, man. I'm just going to – and this, again, it goes back to – do I feel like my rights are being threatened? No, I don't. I feel like the environment I work in, I have seen people die of COVID. I also understand that we want to guard and protect our loved ones, the elderly, people who have weak immune systems, whatever. So I'll wear the mask. It sounds funny, man, but one of the things that I I hope goes away someday after all the vaccine and whatever, um, I hope we can get back to living in a world that we do not have to wear a mask every day. And I think we will. Um, I, so there's some things about our old norm that I miss. I miss going to Friday night football games and watching my son play football in a crowded stadium. Um, I miss... I hate the fact that as a senior in high school, get ready to go to college, some some of the tournaments you can have, the wrestler can have one parent, you know, and it looks like there's 20 people in this big gymnasium. And I don't think, uh, I hate the fact that we've been, the kids have been quarantined and out of school. Um, I, I do believe this last year is going to have some, some uh, psychological rep- repercussions. Um, a lot of isolation. Um, a lot of um, a lot of isolation, you know, Jeff. I've seen it as a pastor. I've seen um, I've seen people who were clean and sober from drugs and alcohol for mm-hmm. ten years, fifteen years, relapse because literally everything that they did that was holistically healthy, from going to their gym to going to their church to their activities that were part of their rehabilitation. And I had people say, well, they should have just trusted Jesus more. And I'm like, you should stop talking because you're uneducated and it's foolish. Um, you know what I mean? So I I want to see some of the norms get back for the well-being of the holistic human. Um, and I think we'll get there. Just, you know, I, I don't spend a lot of time complaining or griping about what I can't change. I just kind of roll with it, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that's wisdom and uh, something that we need to continue to learn. And for me, it's the same thing with uh, coaching basketball. I hate wearing a mask. Uh, it's just crazy. But if the government says so or our state says so, I think it's a better yeah. witness just to put put on a mask and do whatever. But uh, quick yeah. funny story. My daughter's a junior in high school, just started basketball practice this last week. And uh, so it is. It's going to be no parents, no fans allowed in the gymnasium during games, which is unfortunate and too bad. But the funny story is this, and this is probably uh, just a story about me, but it is what it is. Uh, They said some of your students' players may be coming in out of shape. So we're going to bring in the trainer just to go over some basic stretches and so being the cool uh, coach, I said, I'm going to do these with these uh, kids. And I'm coaching JV girls. And I'm like, you know, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, probably wrong, I'm like, I can keep up with these JV girls. <laughs> long, long story short, I pulled my groin in my hamstring <laughs> trying to do the stretches to show off with these, with these kids and players. And so yeah. – uh, 
a mask, whether I wore it or did not wear it, would not help with my inability <laughs> to do these to do these drills. But uh, yeah. the last question I have is: uh, so many times we want to point fingers about um, how we can get our way or not not accepting responsibility. Sure. So yeah. the qu- the question for you is simply: yeah. How can we acknowledge we have some culpability in? the dysfunction of this world, but also have great hope knowing that God's forgiveness and his grace can help us, can lift us up. So our reputation is one where they, where people see Jesus and not just their past. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's great. I I think it goes back to transparency, man. Uh, Never forget where you came from. And that's the, and that's the, the, one of the biggest criticisms I have. I, I think sometimes Christians, American Christians, uh, get all cleaned up, polished up, and they move so far from their, their past that all of a sudden they forget what it's like to be lost. Yeah, um, yeah. Don't ever forget what it's like to be lost. It, um, we should be radically found, and our lives should be radically different. But, you know, me, me or any Christian becoming this holier-than-thou, uh, not connecting with lost and broken people is a problem. Um I, I mingle uh, with the least of these. Some of my best friends are lost and broken. Um, they don't call me pastor, right? Um, and I, I feel like transparency, honesty, not acting like we're better than anyone else, um, being a good listening ear, all those things are, are part of it. Helping people understand that, that all of us, um, uh, we've all – Sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, um, and there's no perfect person. Even those who are saved are saved by great grace. Um, it's not all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, I'm this perfect person." No, I'm not. Um, I still have a bad attitude some days. Um, I still have to deal with the the reality of, um, you know, uh, sin like everyone else. Right, and I got to navigate that. But I, it is His mercies are new every morning. His grace is sufficient for me, and I am saved by great grace. And and by telling people like, yeah, hey, me too, man. Like I wanted to slap that guy's head right off his shoulders. He's like, Pastor, why would you say that? Because I'm not going to lie to you, right? Um, and so it's it, that's what I think it comes back to a little bit. I, I think it's just we got to be. Real, relevant, and relational, man. And if you look at the life of Jesus, he was real, he was relevant, he was relational to people. Um, and that's when the gospel was, in my opinion, the most powerful, you know. Yeah, man, we're part of a really messed up world. And all of us got a hand in that. And all of us, um, all of us need Jesus, right? I, so I'm going to tell you this, man, and it's going to get criticized, but I tell people all the time, I believe this in my heart, Pastor Jeff. Um, everyone, and I mean everyone, needs Jesus. And there's a lot of people that also need a butt whipping, all right? Because nothing, nothing will humble you like getting your butt whooped. And I don't know, sometimes you need to need a whooping to understand how much you need Jesus. I don't know. but <laughs> so, uh, That's a good point, good yeah. point. Pastor Dave, thank you so much for making the time. Yeah, We're honored, privileged, and uh, we continue to pray for your safety and uh, God's provision for your local church. 
and just on your family. But uh, most of all, thank you for sharing God's truth with us today. Awesome, brother. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Jen. And uh, keep doing a great job. I think it's platforms like this, man, that can can offer hope. And, you know, who knows? uh, what The sovereignty of God is at play. Something that your mouth said, maybe something that my words spoke, orchestrated of the Holy Spirit. There's a pastor out there. Um, maybe this is being too prophetic. I believe there's a pastor out there that's going to watch this today, and it's, it's going to strike an aha moment with them. But to that pastor, uh, male or female, to that pastoral family that is in the thick of it, uh, keep fighting, man. Um, it is a fight. You're in a war. You, you're going to be wounded often. But you will heal those wounds because uh, his grace is sufficient. Your voice is important. Your leadership's important, and do not stop leading. Lead strong, lead bold, lead courageous. The world, the scared world, needs a bold church now more than ever. So, so lead well. And I'm praying for you, Pastor Jeff, your church, your family, and every every pastor, every person that'll watch this. Um, I'm just going to ask in Jesus' name, anyone that sees this or hears this, that the Lord lifts them up, uh, encourages them, uh, and, and and spurs them forward. Right? We're not dead. We're not done. So, just keep it up. That's a fact. Amen, and uh, thanks again. And that's uh, Pastor Dave Beaver making some time. My name is Jeff Fuller. I'm the pastor at Living Hope Wesleyan Church. Hopeforvermont.org is a website. Living Hope Wesleyan Church is a YouTube channel, and now on all the podcast channels as Living Hope Wesleyan. Meet with Jesus, spend time in his word, and know that he is for you. He loves you, and we can share that love with others. Thanks, all.